the lion cub had nowhere to run to, and the hyenas were sidling ever closer. Bertie was downstairs in a flash, leaping off the veranda and racing barefoot across the compound, shouting at the top of his voice. He threw open the gate and charged down the hill towards the waterhole, yelling and screaming and waving his arms like a wild thing. Startled at this sudden intrusion, the hyenas turned tail and ran, but not far. Once within range, Bertie hurled a broadside of pebbles at them, and they ran off again, but again, not far. Then he was at the waterhole, and between the lion cub and the hyenas, shouting at them to go away. They didn't. They stood and watched, uncertain for a while. Then they began to circle again, closer, closer. That was when the shot rang out. The hyenas bolted into the long grass and were gone. When Bertie turned round, he saw his mother in her nightgown, rifle in hand, running towards him down the hill. He'd never seen her run before. Between them, they gathered up the mud-matted cub and brought him home. He was too weak to struggle, though he tried. As soon as they'd given him some warm milk, they dunked him in the bath to wash him. As the first of the mud came off, Bertie saw he was white underneath. You see? He cried triumphantly. He is white. He is. I told you, didn't I? He's my white lion. His mother still could not bring herself to believe it. Five baths later, she had to. They sat him down by the stove in a washing basket and fed him again, all the milk he could drink, and he drank the lot. Then he lay down and slept. He was still asleep when Bertie's father got back at lunchtime. They told him how it had all happened. Please, father, I want to keep him, Bertie said. And so do I, said his mother. We both do. And she spoke as Bertie had never heard her speak before, her voice strong, determined. Bertie's father didn't seem to know quite how to reply. He just said, We'll talk about it later. And then he walked out. They did talk about it later, when Bertie was supposed to be in bed. He wasn't, though. He heard them arguing. He was outside the sitting room door, watching, listening. His father was pacing up and down. He'll grow up, you know, he was saying. You can't keep a grown lion, you know that. And you know we can't just throw him to the hyenas, replied his mother. He needs us, and maybe we need him. He'll be someone for Bertie to play with for a while. And then she added sadly, After all, it's not as if he's going to have any brothers and sisters, is it? At this, Bertie's father went over to her and kissed her gently on the forehead. It was the only time Bertie had ever seen him kiss her. All right, then, he said. All right. You can keep your lion. So the white lion cub came to live amongst them in the farmhouse. He slept at the end of Bertie's bed. Wherever Bertie went, the lion cub went to, even to the bathroom, where he would watch Bertie have his bath and lick his legs dry afterwards. They were never apart. It was Bertie who saw to the feeding. Milk, four times a day, from one of his father's beer bottles, until later on when the lion cub lapped from a soup bowl. There was impala meat whenever he wanted it. And as he grew, and he grew fast, he wanted more and more of it. For the first time in his life, Bertie was totally happy. The lion cub was all the brothers and sisters he could ever want, all the friends he could ever need. 
the two of them would sit side by side on the sofa out on the veranda and watch the great red sun go down over Africa. And Bertie would read him Peter and the Wolf. And at the end, he would always promise him that he would never let him go off to a zoo and live behind bars like the wolf in the story. And the lion cub would look up at Bertie with his trusting amber eyes. Why don't you give him a name? His mother asked one day. Because he doesn't need one, replied Bertie. He's a lion, not a person. Lions don't need names. Bertie's mother was always wonderfully patient with the lion, no matter how much mess he made, how many cushions he pounced on and ripped apart, no matter how much crockery he smashed, none of it seemed to upset her. And strangely, she was hardly ever ill these days. There was a spring to her step, and her laughter pealed around the house. His father was less happy about it. Lions, he'd mutter on, should not live in houses. You should keep him outside in the compound. But they never did. For both mother and son, the lion had brought new life to their days. Life and laughter. It was the best year of Bertie's young life. But when it ended, it ended more painfully than he could ever have imagined. He'd always known that one day, when he was older, he would have to go away to school, but he'd thought and hoped it wouldn't be for a long time yet. He simply put it out of his mind. His father had just returned home from Johannesburg after his yearly business trip. He broke the news at supper that first evening. Bertie knew there was something in the wind. His mother had been sad again in recent days, not sick, just strangely sad. She wouldn't look him in the eye and she winced whenever she tried to smile at him. The lion had just lain down beside him, his head warm on Bertie's feet, when his father cleared his throat and began. It was going to be a lecture. Bertie'd had them before often enough about manners, about being truthful, about the dangers of leaving the compound. You'll soon be eight, Bertie, he said, and your mother and I have been doing some thinking. A boy needs a proper education, a good school, well, we've found just the right place for you, a school near Salisbury in England. Your Uncle George and Aunt Melanie live nearby and have promised to look after you in the holidays and to visit you from time to time. They'll be father and mother to you for a while. You'll get on with them well enough, I'm sure you will. They're fine, good people. So you'll be off on the ship to England in July. Your mother will accompany you. She'll spend the summer with you in Salisbury, and after she's taken you to your school in September, she'll then return here to the farm. It's all arranged. As his heart filled with a terrible dread, all Bertie could think of was his white lion. But the lion, he cried. What about the lion? I'm afraid there's something else I have to tell you, his father said. Looking across at Bertie's mother, he took a deep breath, and then he told him. He told him he'd met a man whilst he was in Johannesburg, a Frenchman, a circus owner from France. He was over in Africa looking for lands and elephants to buy for his circus. He, he liked them young, very young, a year or less, so that he could train them up without too much trouble. Besides, they were easier and cheaper to transport when they were young. He would be coming out to the farm in a few days' time, to see the white lion for himself. If he liked what he saw, he would pay good money and take him away. It was the only time in his life 
Bertie had ever shouted at his father. No, no, you can't. It was rage that wrung the hot tears from him, but they soon gave way to silent tears of sadness and loss. There was no comforting him, but his mother tried, all the same. We can't keep him here forever, Bertie, she said. We always knew that, didn't we? And you've seen how he stands by the fence, gazing out into the felt. You've seen him pacing up and down. But we can't just let him out. He'd be all on his own, no mother to protect him. He couldn't cope. He'd be dead in weeks, you know he would. But you can't send him to a circus, you can't, said Bertie. He'd be shut up behind bars. I promised him he never would be. And they'll point at him, they'll laugh at him. He'd rather die, any animal would. But he knew as he looked across the table at them that it was hopeless, that their minds were quite made up. For Bertie, the betrayal was total.